Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, Parlor, and Instagram. And of course, be sure to visit www.mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. There was an illusion being created using the most awesome tools and the greatest tricks that the American intelligence community had learned to use against our enemies. Now it was being deployed against the American people and our president. This is the biggest political scandal in modern history, which makes Watergate look like a a tiff. The FBI director has no credibility. The left used to not trust the FBI, and now they love them. This can happen to General Michael T. Flynn. Imagine what they do to anybody who has a single strike against them. 35 Russian diplomats in the U.S. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 299. Out now on digital is The Plot Against the President, a documentary based on the best-selling book by journalist Lee Smith that chronicles the attempts by the Democrat Party and the intelligence community to unsurp President Donald Trump from power. Diving headfirst into the belly of the deep state beast, The Plot Against the President is an equally compelling and damning investigation that lays out the who, what, how, and why of an attempted coup against the President of the United States. And joining me now to talk about The Plot Against the President is the film's director, Amanda Milius. Amanda, I thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk to a new audience. Absolutely. And just to let people know who you are, um, you are, of course, the daughter of the legendary John Milius, and he's a, a great filmmaker and screenwriter and of his own right. Um, and it's really interesting just looking at your career tra- trajectory so far. Um, you kind of went into the family business in a sort of way. Um, you started off with a short film, The Locust Gun, that was back in 2016. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it uh, came out in 2015. Um and I was uh, pretty much thinking I was just going to do film for my whole life. Uh, I went to USC School of Cinematic Arts uh, for grad school, and the Lotus Gun was a short that I'd done. Um, it was, you know, to graduate, you have to do a thesis film. And so I did it for that. So it came out in 2015, and uh, it actually got into just tons and tons of film festivals. So mm. I was touring it for like a year. Um, and that's kind of what I thought I was going to be doing, but then the election happened and I had a lot of, I had a bit of time off. I I wasn't, I didn't have a consistent job at the time because I was touring the movie. So I would have three weeks on three weeks off, you know, and I would go and volunteer in Nevada, um, which was the closest swing state to California for the campaign, just to, to get near some politics, because I thought it would be you know, I was really interested in it and I couldn't talk about it in Los Angeles yeah. and it was such a crazy political climate. And so I ended up just thinking I would never do film again and stuck with the campaign. And then I got hired in the administration. Um, and I, I worked at the state department. I worked as the deputy assistant secretary for content in the Bureau of Public Affairs. And I did that for three years thinking I was just never going to make a movie again. And then this kind of, happened it just uh you know i realized it was the right thing to do um it was was, i was the you know i thought kind of maybe the only person who could actually do it (laughs) because i had this filmmaking background so 
the FBI's investigation into President Trump and his supposed connections with to Russia and the whole Russia gate kind of thing, that stuff kind of happened like almost instantaneous. Like as soon as he came into power, there are things happening there. When you're working in a White House, do you see this kind of stuff for unfolding in front of your eyes? And while it is happening, is there a little bit of you, like a little the filmmaker in you that's saying, you know what, this could have the potential to be you know, like a great film? Well, it actually started before he came into office. I mean, even as we were arranging, I worked on the inaugural committee, which is the um, kind of organizing committee that does the the inauguration. It's like this giant thing. Um, And uh, even then it was the rumors and the sort of news stories were popping and everyone just thought it was ridiculous. We were all looking at each other, the staff, you know, the various people that were working on this. We're like, this is so silly. We were making fun of it. We were like, oh yeah, because Russia was was really why we won. It was just absurd. Yeah. But then it just became a really serious thing. Um, and at the time, I wasn't, I had just so recently left the film industry and I was so sick of Hollywood and I was so sick of the media and just all of it that I wasn't thinking about it in terms of a movie um, that early. Um I was more just angry because we were dealing with government officials and people that who, who the national security of the United States is actually in their hands. And these people are walking around believing the press, thinking that the president's a Russian asset. So they don't have to do anything that he says, or Mm. they don't have to, they don't have to follow the direction of our administration, which is really dangerous. Um, So I was more concerned about it in that kind of way. I thought I could see that happening right in front of my eyes. People, you know, oh, well, we're not going to do that because it's the Trump administration telling us to do it. And you're like, well, that's the chain of command. So get used to it. Um, But um, but no, it started to become more of like I would I would always think when I was probably a year into it running around DC that it was very much like a spy movie. Um, It was like a spy thriller. I mean, all the stuff that was going on, I had friends in various departments and um, agencies and, you know, people were, you'd have to, to have a meeting with certain people, you'd change cars twice because you knew that people were following you. I mean, it was completely ridiculous and insane. And uh, we, you know, I, at that point, yeah, I mean, the 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 vibe of D.C. is so um, unique and I don't really see it portrayed a lot in films. I mean, you've got House of Cards, which really did a good job of showing this sort of desolate, sterile, you know, the white monuments against like a black sky mm. type of look, which I really liked. And I thought was really accurate because that's what it feels like when you're going in and out of these government buildings and you're you know, it's, it's very, um, it's very noir. And so I was kind of, there hasn't really been a lot of DC noir. And I thought that it really made sense for that type of genre. Um, All the President's Men is one of my favorite movies. Um, And so we kind of tried to reference that style a lot with uh, the focus on the buildings and the brutalist architecture and um, treat it like you would treat a scripted movie as far as the mood and not just, you know, for documentaries, not just sort of let whatever happens happen, like really try to, to, to create a mood. I think that's really interesting because in something that I noticed while watching the film as well, the documentaries, they can be done in certain ways. Some people can add flourishes in regards to maybe animations or um, recreations. They can just do the, the standard like handheld kind of stuff as well. Your film really does have that kind of style to it. And you reference a number of movies there. Um, I'm really interested as well, though, 
when it came to putting the film together, is it true that I read that you guys shot like 70 hours of footage? Yeah, and we did that in a really short amount of time because, uh, I mean, it was one of the reasons I decided to direct it. Initially, I was thinking I would just produce it and we would we would have someone else direct it. But we realized the only way to get this done on time um, as far as to get it out while it's relevant is uh, for me to do it myself. Um, and when we set, we, we set out to do that, you know, I had to resign from the government mm. because obviously you can't, can't do both. Um, and so we didn't even have the company formed until Mar April um, of this year. And so we, we didn't even, we weren't even really able to start until, um, you know, uh, the, you know, the last, it's been less than six months. It's, it's, it's really been fast. I mean, we basically made this whole movie in like four months, which is unheard of. I mm. mean, nobody makes a documentary that fast, especially with this many interviews. We had 35 interviews over the course of a month and a half. So some days we had two interviews, some days we had really long ones. Um, but yeah, we have an insane amount of material. And actually um, the first cut of the movie was four and a half hours long. Right. And uh, we're going to release it in um, like a chapter uh, series. So we'll have, you know, various chapters available on some of our subscription channels and as uh, DVD and Blu-ray extras, sort of like an extended cut, but where people can dive into the section that they're most interested in. Like if people want to jump into the Flynn section more or the uh, media section or whatever they're most interested in, because there's just so much good material. I mean, you could really, it's such a dense issue and there's such interesting stuff that people don't know that we could we could literally make, you know, a series about this forever. <laughs> and that's a good point because in my um, review that I put up a couple of days ago, I actually wrote that a series, there's potential for a series here considering the amount of information, the amount of interview heads. Um, it, I, I myself was just like wanting more. Um, and it's really good to hear there's going to be potential for something similar to that. And I, and I think that's a really great idea that, that you're going to put together in regards to having people dive into the chapter, really interest them and, and try to get into the thick of it. Um, you know, in, in, in the last four years of, of Donald Trump's presidency, there's so many things going on. Um, and I think what your film does really successfully, I mean, there's, there's, just, this, there's just this web of just corruption and all these kind of stuff. And you guys really just point this really clear kind of path, like these through lines, they really just point to A to B to C to D. Um, when you're working with so much footage and so much going on, and it, it would have been really tricky. I mean, you have an uh, um, editor with your, um, his name is um, Jared Leesland. And from what I understand, this is probably his first feature film as well. So you have all these elements of play. You have the timeline as well. You have to do it in such a number of months. How tricky was it to really stay on point, stay on a narrative when there's so many elements at play? Well, I think actually the time crunch that we had, the fact that we only had a little bit of time to, to edit the movie actually helped us in that way. In, mm. <laughs> in some, some way, you could say it actually was really difficult. But um, but because there is so much mm. material when we would constantly ask ourselves, well, how do we just keep it to the most, the most important information that gets you, like you said, the through lines from point A to B to C. And, you know, part of it was sticking to, um, you know, Michael Flynn is a major through line through the whole movie because his story is involved in the background of why they did this to the president and why they were so threatened by him and by the administration in general. And 
also all of their crimes. You've got the unmasking, the surveillance, and then the judicial crimes. So um, it's uh, he, he, it was a really good thing to be able to return to his story as we told the, the larger story, because he's kind of the microcosm of the whole thing. Um, the, way, the reason I would say that the time crunch actually helped us is because there wasn't time to do what you usually do with movies or a documentary um, specifically, where you play it, you know, you've got your long cut, you play it for a bunch of people, you see what information is most interesting, and then you cut the other stuff and you go back and forth and do all these. We really didn't have time to do that. We just had to sit there and go, okay, how do we get from point A to point B and everything else has to go? And we couldn't be precious about anything. And, you know, there's so many places where I'm like, you know, there's little segments we've built and all of these other sections where, I, where I'm, that I'm very attached to, where I, I think it's really important information as well, but there was no time for um, being sentimental about what we cut. It was like, we knew we had to get it down to 90 minutes. And when it's four hours long, you just start, you know, cutting, 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 cutting. So uh, it was, it was, that was, I guess, somewhat helpful because it sort of laser focuses you on what absolutely has to be there, like what the essentials are. When you have that time period and you have that kind of pressure uh, to put this movie together and considering the, the importance of the subject matter as well, um, as you're doing it, do you realise things within yourself as a filmmaker you never realised before? Are there skills coming to the fore that you never realised that you had within you? Um, I think in a way, I think it going off the making us less precious about holding on to material and just sticking to what was absolutely necessary is um, it almost makes you more of a filmmaker that is concerned with a larger audience's ability to process the movie and their response to it. Whereas if I was making scripted, a scripted film when I've, when I've done that and, and if I was making it on a, on a timeline that was pretty much my own and wasn't as insane, there's things that I would do where I'm, I say to myself, well, I really like this section and it really speaks to me and it might not speak to everybody, but there's a small, you know, maybe it's a small or a large, you never know until you put the movie out, but that there's an audience for this particular little thing that I'm doing, you know, with this scene. And I like this scene and some people might think it's, it's, it's weird or it's boring or it's, um, or it's confusing or it's strange or artsy fartsy or whatever it is. There's this thing in the back of your mind where you're like, well, I'm going to do it because I really like it. And, and it'll speak, it speaks to me and it'll speak to everybody else. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But on this, um, you kind of really had to decide, you know, there wasn't really time to go off in these sort of stranger directions and just be almost, um, kind of selfish with your filmmaking. Mm. Like you had to really, we had to really just say like, no, like we have to just, this has to have the maximum effect. It has to be clear to everybody. And, and it sort of makes you forces you to be a little bit more uh, accessible um, yeah. than I, I normally am. I would say. Another element to this whole story um, in your documentary as well is the, the role that the media played in a lot of this and it's very it, to me it's kind of it's very frustrating because essentially i'm so i'm sort of part of the media as well i mean my forte is film criticism is outside of current affairs and journalism etc but there are there are links there so it's kind of embarrassing to me to especially in the last few years to just see how the media class and journalism as well has taken a big dump on its own industry with the way it's it's approached so many stories and it's almost kind of comedic especially 
when you you are and I was reminded while watching this movie about this the stories like the whole Donald Trump in hotel with Russian hookers being <laughs> yeah. peed on and and the other one I didn't even know of I think it must have been a bigger story in the states than it was here in Australia was the one with David Nunes being on a yacht with hookers somewhere I don't know what, what was going on there and yeah it's it, ridiculous, it, it ridiculous. I mean the- and and I, what I wanted to know was that these people are supposed to be the guardians of the gate of democracy. They're supposed to be, you know, in the public square and fishing out information, telling the truth. But the responsibility, um, whether unfortunate or not, has to fall on documentary makers like yourself to tell the truth. Isn't that, do you feel at the same type of frustration on your end that of, of, you know what, I shouldn't be doing this. This should have been taken care of years ago, but here we are. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that way. I mean, I I think um, one of the the reason the media plays such a prominent role in the movie also is because none of this would have been possible without the media being complicit. The media covered for this story, and no one would the, the whole country and all these all you know and outside of the country and everything, no one would be walking around thinking that the Trump administration had something to do with Russia if it weren't for the media. All of the FBI and all of the CIA and all of the NSA and all of the other, you know, agencies and everyone else in the Democratic Party and the DNC and the Obama administration, everybody that was involved in this, they could have all done what they did and it wouldn't have succeeded without the media. They were actually the, the final um, requirement uh, in the conspiracy for, for this to work. And so they're absolutely to blame. Um and I do think that it is up to me or, or filmmakers or independent journalists, which is why I feature a lot of them in the movie. You know, mm. a lot of the new journalists like Jack Posobiec, Mike Cernovich, Raheem Kassam, um, people that, uh, that, that are actually, that were right and that were telling the truth the whole time. And most people wouldn't know the truth if it wasn't for voices like theirs. Uh, so um, I think it is important that we do that. And I, a lot of the, you know, I, I, I'm always waiting for the um, the negative press. Like so far, we've gotten nothing but positive press, which mm. is great. And everyone loves it, which is really, really awesome. But I'm waiting for the hit piece because, you know, it's going to come. And yeah. so I'm one, you know, I'm sitting here going, OK, well, what is it going to be like? What are they going to say? Um, but I've, I've any any mainstream media that that does want to criticize it, I think they would look a little ridiculous because it's their fault that I had to make the movie in the first place. Yeah, I wasn't sitting around going, oh, I work in the administration. I work in the government. Like, how can I find a movie to make? You know, because I want to get back into films. I didn't want to do it at first. You know, I had to be convinced to do it. And I only did it because no one's told the story properly. I mean, I'm not the one that, you know, prevented the mainstream media from telling the truth. And um, the fact that nobody else has done this, it's one of those things where you're like, how is, how has no one else put this together? Hmm. There's no, like, even on one of these more conservative leaning stations um, or channels or something, put it, put together like a two night special explaining why Russia gate was a total hoax and why it was ridiculous they wouldn't even be able to do it because they're too in bed with um, with other, you know, they're too corrupt in a sense themselves. There's very few mainstream media journalists who, who are correct on this issue and who actually told the truth. And a lot of them are bound by, you know, other obligations, but they've, they've done, you know, the work putting things out piecemeal, but nobody's really put it together in one package. Um, and, you know, that's, that's why I, I guess I would say to any mainstream media that, that comes after us, you know, it's your fault that this movie exists anyways. Uh, so if they if they don't like it, that's their problem. 
What was your um, reaction to the recent news about the Attorney General um, ending the investigation over Obama officials unmasking um, Trump uh, Trump officials, um, particularly Michael Flynn, and, and having no arrests? I know President Trump was a very upset about that. You yourself, having delved into this stuff and having talked to the older people and seen the evidence and all the other stuff, what was your reaction to that? Well, actually on that, I mean, it's it's incredibly disappointing. It's ridiculous. But I'm sadly, I'm not surprised mm. because I think that the agencies and the, uh, the DOJ is already, it's so corrupt and it's so destroyed by the Obama administration and what they did on their way out that uh, I'm not surprised that it's still dysfunctional. Um, I'm also not surprised that they didn't go after anybody for the unmaskings because the problem, I mean, and I'm not an attorney by any, any uh, stretch. I'm uh, not even, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the, there's a reason I interview other people, not myself about this, but, but the thing that I, I would say is that it isn't that surprising because the unmaskings as distasteful and horrible and as the they're so the antithesis of a democracy um, or the kind of republic that we have, um, doing them at that time may or may not have been illegal because the people that did them had the clearance to do it. The fact is, is that they abused our legal system and the FISA, which is the uh, kind of warrant you get. I don't if your listeners know it, FISA warrant is what they use to spy on Americans, which they're not supposed to do, but it's supposed to be very regulated and it's supposed to be very rare. Mm-hmm. The fact that they abused this system um, it's harder. I could see it being a harder legal case. It's more about the fact that our laws need to be um, reformed. And that's one of the things that comes out in the Nunes memo, the Congressman Nunes memo, um, that this is one thing that I wish we had had more time to go into, which is that one of the things that the memo argues for more than any other is reform to the FISA system and reform to, to all of these systems that allowed allowed for this to happen because without that reform, you're not going to get prosecutions with people that do this because they could argue that it was within the law. And that's only, and and when I say that, I'm going to asterisk that by saying that's only some of the things that happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're going to get off for changing the general's um, 302, which is the document that they create after an interview, the FBI creates after an interview and they doctored it, they altered it. Um, it's, it's really, I don't know how they're going to get away from that. That is a really, really ridiculous crime. Um, and also, uh, the, the place where I think you might get a, a, a conviction potentially is, um, and Mike Cernovich actually points this out, who, by the way, is also an attorney, um, is in lying under oath to the FISA court. So the, 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 uh, you know, the, the FISA uh, warrants have to be have to be um, approved in in a court, even if the person who obviously they're trying to spy on is not there. Um, the agents have to swear under oath that the information that they're presenting to get the warrant is true, and um, and they lied. They lied under oath. So there's a crime. Um, if they can't get, if the DOJ can't get people for the unmaskings. Um, they ought to go after every single other crime that that occurred in this situation. Yes, and there's a there's a treasure trove of them, as the documentary clearly shows. Amanda, yeah. for, you, for yourself in regards to your career, what's next for you? Are you going to continue looking in filmmaking? Is documentary filmmaking something that you wanted to 
part, like continue with? Because I know like your your short film was was like a apocalyptic western, um, <laughs> and I know that your influence wise, you are really into filmmakers like uh, Terence Malick and um, John Ford, etc. More kind of your visual kind of um, document um, your visual filmmakers. Um, yeah, are you gonna go back into that kind of territory, or is documentary filmmaking something you're gonna stick with for a little while? Well, I mean, I never, I never thought I would make a documentary. When I was going to film school, when I was working in film, you know, I worked in film for and and other visual, uh, you know, I worked in fashion photography, like all of this stuff. I never thought I was going to be doing documentary. It was the one thing I really thought I would never do. Um, I think I do. I I might do another one. I mean, I I always thought I wasn't going to direct again and that I would just produce. So um, I'm not entirely sure what's coming next. I do. I do know that um, uh, we, we, what, what has been interesting in this whole thing is I created my company, my production company, uh, just to make this film. And weirdly, actually, maybe not weirdly, but we're getting a ton of um, both talent. So people all over the country who are saying, oh, I actually am you know, conservative or I'm somewhat right wing or whatever it is. And I, I can't say so in my industry. I have to hide my politics. I'd really like to work with you like, you know, on your next project. So we've got this really, you know, fairly robust list of really talented people that we, uh, you know, can work with around the country. And we also have a lot of people coming to us for other projects. So there's another documentary on the horizon that's very, very different from this. There's um, a lot of advertising, a lot of um, other other projects that are, are popping up. And I guess it's, it's it's clear that there was a real demand for a a production company that could do high quality you know Hollywood level work, but wasn't restricted by the political uh, agendas that are currently guiding Hollywood and the various production companies in New York and L.A. So I think I'm going to keep going with that and and see what the company um, can can produce, and I, I think it's going to be pretty cool. I'd like it to be. Um, a lot like a, uh, I described it as sort of being an A24 or an Annapurna of the right, which is like, um, you know, I don't know if you know those two, I'm sure you do, those two production companies um, in in California that do unusual stuff that's stylish, that's um, high-end, that's cool, that's unique, and is, you know, not your mainstream kind of -of run-of-the-mill stuff. And I, I think there's a taste level that usually is, you know, a lot of times conservatives in the U.S. make films because, and this is good, you know, I, I, I think this is really good that there's tons of films being made on, on the right because we need that. I mean, we need every single one of them. But a lot of times it's somebody who's gotten interested in an issue and it's like an advocacy issue or it's a mm. particular lifestyle issue or political issue. And then the person is like, oh, well, I think I'm going to make a movie about that. But my, I, I happen to come from a different side of it, which is that I'm not a political person who decided to make a movie. I'm a film person who happened to land in politics for a period of time. So I want to cultivate that more um, where, you know, we actually use the tools of filmmaking as they've, as they exist and, and actually apply them um, and, and not just start out as, you know, a political agenda and then go to make a movie. Cause I think it's more successful, you know, I mean, the, the, the political movies and political docs in particular um, I think could stand to be more, um, you know, 
a little edgier, a little more unique, a little more cinematic, I would say. Yep, I'd say that too. And I think that's why the plot against the president works so well. And for everyone out there, you can watch this movie now. There's actually a website, patpmovie.com, and that has all the links. And from what I understand, Amanda, um, in the States um, specifically, you guys are going wide. Um, I understand there might be even limited theatrical uh, opportunities for this film as well. Yeah, it's actually playing in films this weekend. I mean, sorry, playing in theaters this weekend. Um, and we were adding theaters every day. We're adding more theaters. Um, the uh, the website has the link. It says watch it now or the theaters link. And it will always be updated. We're always going to add uh, as many theaters as we can book. Obviously, it's a very strange year for theatrical distribution because yeah. of you know most of the theaters being closed and all of this. But there actually are a lot of theaters open. And what we're doing is, you know, unique in that we're not going to LA and New York and even DC. I mean, I think we're going to, we'll probably have a premiere, like a party in DC, but um, it's not about getting, you know, we're going to like Central America. Like we're going, um, we're going towards, you know, uh, the, the States where the people uh, are usually ignored during film releases. Um, so we, we're doing things totally differently than most, most films do. And also we, when we first released the movie, we released it on these two platforms, these two subscription platforms to start. One of them's called uh, specialproject.io and the other one is my movies plus, but you have to get to the movie through the links on our website. Um, and those, those two uh, platforms launched with this movie and they're unique because I think they're very, they're going to become important for free speech because they won't, they'll never take the movie down. They're not going to um, censor anything. It's really great for content creators. And I want to support that because we need our own platforms. Otherwise, yeah. we're going to be at the mercy of all of these other platforms that want to silence people. So it's, it was important for us to, to launch with them. We also have the film on Vimeo On Demand, um, which you can get to as well on our site. And we're always linking to it on our Twitter account. Our Twitter is uh, PATP Movie as well. Um, and, you know, we're waiting for the other platforms. We're scheduled to be released. Um, we were, we should have already been out on, on Amazon on, you know, it's, it's scheduled for iTunes for, for all of these different platforms, but it's, you know, conveniently taking longer to get on the massive ones. Um, you know, and I'm not going to be conspiratorial and, and say it's a political reason, but I wouldn't be surprised. Considering the recent news lately in regards to Twitter and Facebook suppressing articles from the New York Post, I wouldn't be surprised though. No, not at all. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what they're doing with that. It's actually, you know, I actually just did a, I talked to Raheem Kassam, who uh, is in the film. I talked to him recently and uh, we were talking about how, what he points out in the film where the media is trying to say, oh, you're not allowed to see this evidence. You're not allowed to see you're not allowed to look at this information. You have to see it through the eyes of the media. You'll hear what we tell you to hear. And that's exactly what they're doing with the Hunter Biden um, uh, laptop. They're, they're literally saying, you know, and they're, they're even going against their own because the New York Post is the ones that released it. Mm. And you've got most of the media and Twitter and everybody saying, you can't look at that. I mean, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I agree. And I think more people who watch a plot against a president will see a lot of this stuff in action. It's such a fantastic documentary. And Amanda Milius, I congratulate you 
uh, for putting together such a great talk in such a limited amount of time and with the pressure on it as well. And also during an election year as well, I think it's a very relevant film for people to watch. Um, but it's a movie that's going to last. So much. It's going to a movie that's going to last a while because uh, the issues here are going to be around for a long while to come. Um, and I thank you very much again and congratulations with the movie. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on. I'm just so glad that it's, uh, it's reaching, it's reaching all the corners of the earth and, uh, and hopefully will be, uh, you know, released even more widely everywhere very soon.